Technologies and welcome to Book 101. Book 101 is all about the books that I read for the last 40 years. And today I have my special guest. He's the author of The Food That Give Best Given, a memoir no other than Mr. Edward the Ganji. Welcome to Book 101, Mr. Edward. Daniel, thank you very much for inviting me to join you. I appreciate it. Yes, and can you please introduce yourself? Yes, it's I'm Edward DeGangi, and I live here in the United States in North Carolina. Uh, we like in North Carolina like to think we are the United States writingest state. And I live in a town called Hillsboro, and we like to think that we are the writingest town in the writingest state. We do have some wonderful and very well-known authors here. Uh, I've been living here now with my wife for about 11 years, and I am retired. And back in 2017, I embarked on a project to to find the identity of the woman who had placed me for the adoption at the time of my birth back in 1948. And that search evolved into, into my book, The Gift Best Given, a memoir. Sounds interesting, Mr. Edward. So what age did you realize that you're good in writing? You know, I, I remember all the way back into elementary school submitting some very poorly written things. There was a magazine called Boy's Life here in the United States, and it served the Cub Scouts and the Boy Scouts. And, and I sent three or four pieces to them, I think probably handwritten in pencil on a scrap of paper. And I was not surprised to get them back to me saying, try again some other time. But I, I think I really came to believe that I had the ability to write well somewhere around middle school. And then in high school, um, we used to have summer reading projects, and we would then have to complete a project when we started started that year of school. And we had a new teacher, and and he came into class one day after we had submitted our projects, and he said, I think the only person in this class who submitted anything worthwhile was... And he, he gave my name, and I, that sort of set me on the course of feeling very confident about my writing, even though I did little creative writing after that for some time. Wow. <laughs> very interesting, Mr. Edward. So who are your favorite authors that influence you the most? Um, I think of the, of the contemporary authors right now, my favorite is Michael Cunningham, who wrote the book called The Hours, which was made into an Academy Award-winning film. And two others from the second half of the 20th century would have been Philip Roth and John Updike were very influential. I've, I've read probably about 25 of Philip Roth's 32 books. Wow. So, Mr. Edward, if you describe... Uh the uh, writing of Mr. Roth or whatever your favorite author is, what is it or what are they? 
Uh, I think they are very strong in setting a sense of place. You always know where you are in these books, and you can, you can literally smell and feel and touch what's going on, where the characters are placed, and also just the remarkable detail. And there's also a little, particularly with Philip Roth, there's always a little bit of cynical humor in there, a dry sense of humor, and and I I appreciate that. Very well said, Mr. Edward. So, what are your short-term and long-term goals in writing? Well, I, my two goals right now um, on the short term is I continue to to do marketing and publicity for the gift best given. And for those who have not written a book or just writing your first book, if you're serious about marketing the book, it will take a lot of time away from writing the second book. But the second book is also my long-term goal, and it it is basically a sequel to the gift best given. Wow, good luck for this uh, upcoming book, Mr. Edward. Well, so before we go on, Mr. Edward, I want to shout out to the people listening in the United States, especially in the state of North Carolina, where you said the capital writers in the United States. And thank you, North Carolina in Huntersville. I got 65% audience there. Anderson, 5%, Archibald, 3%, Ranoke Rapids, 2%, Waxhole, 2%, Charlotte, 2%, Cary, 2%. I have 40 places in North Carolina. Sorry if I cannot read them all, but from the bottom of my heart, North Carolina, thank you for those 42 places. Uh, for supporting this podcast because this podcast is created in power writers all over the world like Mr. Edward D. Kanji. Mr. Edward, the give best given a memoir. How did you craft it? Well, actually, I, I, I should say I started this project without any intention of writing a book. As I said, I was adopted at the time of my birth. Uh, back in 2017, there was an event that triggered me to decide it was finally time to go and identify who the woman was who had placed me for adoption. And I started started down that path, and I was very fortunate in that I made some very quick progress. I was also fortunate in that I found out that my mother had a very, very interesting and exciting career. And I had a good friend who I would routinely have coffee with in the morning. And every time I would come and tell him about what I discovered next and what I had done, he kept on saying, you really need to write a book. You really need to write a book. And ultimately, I, I had enough in hand where I said, you know what? I think, I think he's right. And I started writing in two pieces. One was the the pieces about my search, what had I done on, at a particular time to, to learn. And the other pieces were, I, I guess, creative nonfiction in that I was telling my mother's story. I was telling what I discovered. And I knew where she was and who she was with and when she was there. The only thing I didn't know is precisely what was said at those times. And, and that's the creative pieces. I, I filled in dialogue in many of, those, many of those situations. Mr. Edward, what inspired you to write The Gift Best Given? 
a memoir? Well, again, it was it was the the interesting discoveries that I made and what I was learning, and it was a it was it just felt like it was a story that should be told. Uh, to give credit to my wife where it's due, you know, she she always knew that I was adopted and and routinely would say, you know, why don't you do a DNA test? Maybe you'll find something out. Why don't you look harder? We can hire a detective. Maybe you'll find something out. And I just never had the inclination. I had had a a wonderful upbringing with my adoptive parents. But as I said, one day there was just an event. And I said, if, if it will ever happen, this is the time. Can you describe the, res the research process behind the gift best given? Yes. And I think, you know, the important thing there is I think perhaps some of my delay early on was that we didn't have access to things as we do today with the internet. But I, I had a great benefit in that my adoption had been privately arranged. And my adoptive mother, even though she had passed away, what, 30 years prior, had kept my adoption decree. And that adoption decree had my adoptive parents' names on it. It had their attorney's name on it and a name I did not recognize. And just intuitively, I knew it had to be my birth mother. It had to be the person who was giving me up for adoption. Oh. So, so my first stop was at my local library. And I went in there and I got on the Ancestry.com site. And I typed in her name and I sat there. I hesitated for a while and said, do you really want to go down this path? And yes, I did. And I, I entered some information. I got a screen full of information back. And I, there were census records and some other legal documents. And I went to the one that was the closest to my birth date. I was, I was born in May of 1948. And there was a document which was dated March of 1949. So I thought that's only, only 10 months. You know, perhaps there's something interesting there. And when I clicked on it, it was a, a visa application written in Portuguese for my mother to travel from Miami, Florida to Rio de Janeiro. And it had some information with her, her address on it, her parents' names on it, her her birth date on it. I had always assumed she was a high school girl, but no, she was, she was 23 years old when I was born. And it also had a picture of her, which was really an eye opener for, her because I just never, never thought much about what it was that she would look like. And, and there's a screen full of face just staring back at me and I'm thinking that's my mother. Oh, wow. Interesting indeed, Mr. Edward. And according to Miss Paget Gerler, yeah. the best gift, the ultimate sacrifice. So, Mr. Edward, what are the ultimate sacrifices that you shared to the book? Do you know what? My sacrifices were very minimal. I spent a lot of time with it, certainly. I spent a good deal of money. I independently published, but I, I paid a cover designer and a book formatter and an editor. So there were monetary sacrifices, but you know the, the title itself, the gift best given, really refers to you know to what a woman does when they, 
when they relinquish a child for adoption. And, it, you know, and the title itself came out of a, a conversation that that occurs in the book between my birth mother and a woman who sort of stepped in as a in a maternal role to my mother and and was a sounding board and gave her advice. And my mother was saying, the, you know, the greatest gift that I was given was my ice skating career. She was a, a celebrity performer in the big ice skating shows in her era. And and she said, and you're now you're telling me that this child who is totally unexpected to me is a gift. And the woman basically responds, Well, sometimes the best gift is the gift that you give to somebody else. And I think the message there was maybe you want to consider, you know, taking your baby and placing them in somebody placing him in somebody else's hands. Yes, and according to Mrs. Stacy and Hawks, a journey of discovery, family, and connection. So, Mr. Edward, what are the elements that you put in your memoir that make the readers glued to it? Well, I, th- I think there's a sense of suspense. You know, you're waiting to see what happens next and, and what decision did, did my mother make and afterwards, you know, what, what did she do? It also talks about, you know, my search for her. And unfortunately, I found that she was no longer alive. But then it it transformed into a search for a maternal half brother I knew who was out there, and you know, and then meeting with him and having to convince him that his mother, who he held on a pedestal and just worshipped, had eight years before he was born had an illegitimate child. So there's, there's, there's some of that. The other part is by total, total surprise, I discovered who my birth father was. And that's not something that I'd spent a lot of time thinking about. And I met a paternal half-brother as well. And there was an interesting story surrounding that as well. And I, I think there's a lot of people... People relate a great deal to my birth mother. She, she was a well-regarded person in real life and among her, her family and friends. And it 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 comes through in the book. And people, people really feel attached to that. And according to Miss Rita C. Berman, a search results in a well-written book. Sir Edward, the gift of best given. Do you have another? title of your memoir well i if i were to put a another subtitle on it i would say it is a story of adoption search discovery and reunion i i never thought of another title per se for the book but i have i've thought for a number of possible subtitles Oh, yes. Interesting, Mr. Edward. But before we go on, I'm inviting you to listen to my other podcast, Food 101, our third season with Chef Alessandro, one of the best executive chef in one of the best restaurants in downtown Toronto. And please do listen to our latest episode. We talk about Thanksgiving, people. Thanksgiving, because in Canada, we are celebrating Thanksgiving on the 9th of October. So please do listen. And plus one more 
our books are out. Not only one, but seven volumes, people. Food 101, Volume 1, Basics is all you need to create a delicious food. Available on Amazon and leading online bookstores worldwide. So, Mr. Edward, the give best given a memoir. What is the best highlight? I, I think depending on who you spoke to, you would find a different answer. But my favorite highlight is in my in my search, I discovered a a couple, a man and a woman who were, were antiques dealers. And they had been at an auction in Atlanta, Georgia in 2012. And when I discovered their blog that was online, it had about half a dozen photographs of my mother her first professional contract, her middle school diploma. And they explained that they had no idea who she was, but she was a glamorous woman from a glamorous era. And I reached out to them thinking, okay, this is five years later. Will they, will they still have those materials? And remarkably they did. And, you know, and they said, you need to come here right now. And we're in North Carolina, and they were in Georgia. But about a week later, we drove down there. And in the, I think, one of the kindest things somebody has ever done to me, they came in with this big carton of materials, photographs and scrapbooks and, and documents. And as I was looking through it, they just sort of slowly pushed the carton across the table at me and said, this is yours. We've just been holding it for you. And they became a part of the process at that point. And they've become very valued friends to us. We, we think very highly of them. And, and certainly a lot of what I've learned, I probably would not have learned or not have learned as quickly was it not for them. Very well said, Mr. Edward. So what's the most rewarding aspect of being an author? Well, I think it's twofold. It's number one, what you learn. And number two, it's the interaction with your with your readers. I know some writers just like to write and the last thing they want to do is go out in public and talk about their books. I love that opportunity. And I love to get out with the readers and talk about the story, talk about the book. And invariably, when I'm done, at least one or two people will come up to me and tell me about their own experience with adoption. And you know, and the ones who have already read the book will tell me in some manner how the book has impacted them in a positive way. And, and that's a very rewarding thing. How do you feel about the current state of the publishing industry, especially with the rise of self-publishing and digital platforms? I, I'm, I'm a total supporter. I, when I wrote my book, I really didn't know much about the self-publishing industry. I knew it was kind of looked down on. And my thought was, well, I'm going to get an agent and I'm going to sell my book to a big publisher and I'm going to get an advance. And after 83 pitches to agents and only three positive responses, and then those did not pan out. I said, my life is fairly short and I don't have time to, to do this. And I really educated myself on the self-publishing process. And that's the road that I went down. And I, 
when I finish my sequel, I have no thoughts about going to traditional publishing. I will go right back to self-publishing. And I, I think a lot of people, at least in the United States, think the only avenue they have is Amazon. And there are many avenues. You know, they, they talk about going wide so your book can wind up in many places. And that's what I've done. And I've, I've got books on Amazon. I've got the book on Amazon, but I have it in bookstores, in libraries. And, and that, that's all the result of a real studied approach of how to, how to approach it. I think, you know, the, the digital platforms and self-publishing have, you know, have created a great opportunity for people but the public is getting picky. They, they want quality product. Yes. So the gift best given a memoir, if you want to go back and revise the book itself, which part of the book do you want to revise? Probably somewhere toward the end of the book because I, I've got a couple of open, I thought my story was complete when I finished it. But I subsequently in New York, I, I was born in New York State and New York State's birth records were closed at the time that that I wrote the book. Shortly after publishing it, they opened up adoption records to adoptees and I was able to get a copy of my original birth certificate. And it was very interesting in that all of the information contained on the document was erroneous. My mother's name was stated incorrectly. Her address was stated incorrectly. Her occupation was was housewife rather than performer. And I, I know that it was done with the purpose to keep her, for the purposes of discretion, to protect her identity. And I would like to go back and tell that story a little bit you know, of what that birth certificate meant and if how if I had started my search with that document in hand, I might still be searching. Oh, wow. Interesting, Mr. Edward. But if you go back and give advice to yourself when you were first starting out as a writer, what would it be? Boy, that's such a good question. Um, I think I probably would have engaged a developmental editor a little bit early on in the process. When I was done with my manuscript, I essentially had two piles of paper. One was the, the writing I did about my search. And the other was the story that I told about my mother. And the only thing I could see was, well, let me tell my story first and then in section two, we'll tell her story. And when I finally, and I puzzled over that, it just didn't feel right, but I didn't know what to do with it. And when I finally turned the manuscript over to my editor, who I hired late in the game, you know, she, she came back to me and said, I need to make a suggestion to you. And I think it will make a big difference. And she suggested taking those two piles and kind of shuffling them like a deck of cards so that there would be the first piece of my search and the first thing I discovered about her, the second piece of my search and the next thing I discovered about her. And it was, yeah, it was a simple suggestion, but I think it was brilliant and I'm embarrassed. I, it just didn't dawn on me from the start, 
but you know that that would have saved me a lot of hand wringing trying to trying to think of how will this how will this really move out but before we go on people i'm inviting you to grab a copy of my latest climate change book one earth our changing climate and what we can do about it grab a copy available on amazon and leading online bookstores worldwide so repeat one earth our changing climate and what we can do about it so people that support this book because this book talks about how we tackle climate change nowadays we need to participate to combat climate change this is for our generations to generations to come so mr edward according to uh, dana a magical story with a happy ending what are the elements that you put in the story to make this memoir magic well the story itself was magic i really didn't need to insert too much i think it it came to a happy ending because i i discovered the identity of my the identity of my mother and i i discovered a woman who was quite accomplished and and who paid a very significant price for my happiness and my and my success you know i she had her own successes obviously and many people you know relate to her very very much um i think people also relate to the fact that i did ultimately meet my both my maternal and my paternal half brothers so it was a sense of you know of of increasing family through this search and there was there were really no negative events and this is sometimes rare with adoption you know sometimes you find your your family of origin and nobody wants anything to do with you they call it secondary re- rejection I met cousins and they they basically reached out their arms and they embraced me and they were happy to see me. My maternal half brother, you know, while he took some convincing, once he was convinced <laughs> was just fine. And my paternal half brother said I always wanted a brother. I'm glad you're here. So it was, you know, I it's a happy story in the end and not every story is that way. But I was very fortunate that mine was, and I, I think I, I conveyed that, and I think I told that well. Very well said, Mr. Edward. What books or author are you currently reading or recommend? I just finished a book by James McBride called The Heaven and Earth Grocery Store. And James McBride is just a brilliant author. Uh, he wrote a book called The Color of Water, which really put him on the map. And it was a memoir and not unlike the way that you know, my book finally rolled out. But Heaven and Earth Grocery Store kind of tells a story about a very mixed community in Pottstown, Pennsylvania in the 1930s and the, the relationships between the Christians and the Jews and the blacks all living together and it's it's a brilliantly told story and his language is just so beautiful and I just finished that a couple of days ago yes highly recommended right Mr. I Edward? certainly do where can our listeners find more about you and your work I have a website and the the website is dot com. 
So that's D-I-G-A-N like Nancy, G-I author dot com. And it has information about myself, about the book, uh, a list of media things, you know, listing of podcasts such as this, uh, upcoming events. And so there's a lot there. You can also purchase the book there in any number of forms. It's in soft cover. It's now in hardcover with dust jacket. It's in large print and it's available as an ebook. So they can be ordered there or the book is available, you know, as you, as your book is worldwide via Amazon and the other major online retailers. The book is also available in most libraries here in the U.S., either as a as an e in ebook form on either Libby or on Hoopla. So if you know if somebody doesn't want to invest in a in purchasing the book but wants to read it, you know most libraries should have it available in one of those forms. Yes, people want to support Mr. Edward because if you support him more more folks to come absolutely and i'm so glad to hear that you have so many north carolina listeners yes i have 42 places in north carolina uh, shout out to them as they said north carolina is the country's reading estate <laughs> yes the reading estate that's correct again north carolina thank you so much for supporting this podcast because this podcast is created in power writers all over the world so mr edwards thank you for your time uh, daniel thank you so much for the invitation and i i really enjoyed chatting with you daniel thank you i really appreciated the opportunity to talk with you and listen notes thank you for my latest scores of 26 and belong to 10 percent popular show globally Morikan people see you soon